Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use Clojure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Yeah, so you getting stuck on something? Is there some some uh, closure library that you are just can't can't it's a nut you can't crack? Um, uh, please uh, send us send us a question. Ask us to help out. Um, if there's a concept that you need help with, um, we'd love to talk about. We got lots of good feedback and lots of good questions, um, and we want more. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So, good ways to reach us is tweet at us at closure design. Uh, send us an email to feedback at closuredesign.club or go and hop on the Closurians Slack and join our Closure Design Dash podcast channel. That's usually where we seem to have the most free-flowing conversation all about the stuff we talk about here. So if you want to hear more of the same, join. Or if you want to hear something different, then come join and tell us about it. Right. So just so basically the message is to come join. Yeah, join. Be a joiner. Join. Hey, wait, it's it's what now nowntober, right? So join, join, join. Oh wait, those are verbs. <laughs> oh, oh, well, uh, the word join is a no. Okay, let's not get into that. Okay, <laughs> focus, focus. Um, We're not talking about join today. <laughs> what are we talking about, Nate? Well, I thought we would celebrate our one year of podcasting, our fifty second episode, um, fifty two. But, but let's talk about functions, 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 functions. Yep. That seems very, very appropriate for a functional programming podcast. <laughs> you know, you know what they say, uh, closure, it puts the fun back in functional, right? <laughs> nice. I, I, of course I have now, I've heard that for Haskell too, so... <laughs> I think functional. I guess it depends on which podcast you're listening to. <laughs> right. Maybe functions put the fun in functional. Well, they certainly oh, put yes. the function in it. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly do. Functions put the fun in functional. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's probably one of our favorite nouns in 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 our functional programming language of closure, um, and uh, and it's definitely something we use, of course, all over the place. Um, but but I think I think it'd be good to kind of like. You know, uh, you, the, you know the expression. You know, if all you have is a hammer, everything is a nail. Um, right. So all we <laughs> functions have functions are that hammer <laughs> in yeah. functional programming, right? <laughs> I'm reminded of there's a um, there's a like a a list of design patterns in done in closure, and and basically every single one is just using functions. <laughs> so right. like it like so. distills down into so basically you we only have one tool, you know, by which to express our 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 computation instructions um, yes but what well, categories yeah, so it got? sounds like we're going to talk about all of closure today in one episode so i'm pretty sure this is going to be our longest episode ever probably <laughs> probably four to six hours uh so buckle up <laughs> yep we will be talking for the next year uh in this episode <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah so i think um i like what you're saying about patterns though i i i think we have noticed some different ways we use functions. Not not every function is the same, right? So functions are definitely our way of expressing computation in a functional programming language. <laughs> but there's some different categories of functions that we have found useful to think about and talk about. And I, I know like in our own development together, 
that we end up uh, bringing up these different categories of functions over and over again. Yeah, it's even to the point where a lot of times in our files, we kind of have a a, a header comment that kind of helps us divide the file into those different categories of functions. Because um, it helps, because each of the each of the categories, you kind of have a different mindset um, when you're working in them. And, um, and so yeah. you want to kind of have, you want to, you want to stay in that, in that, you know, because one of the nice things about abstraction or about categorization is that you can kind of ignore all the other categories while you're focusing on the one that you're in right now, which is, again, it, it makes, it makes programming more fun because you're doing less thinking about the other things. You're doing only thinking about the problem right in front of you. And that's, that's the yeah. benefit, right? <laughs> yeah. It lets you break up the problem in your mind. So you're not trying to think about the whole universe at once <laughs> or, or sitting there paralyzed because <laughs> you, you're trying to think about the whole universe at once, right? <laughs> I've been there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I would say now we've covered some of these in, in prior episodes. So of course, sure. some of them will sound familiar. Some of them, I don't know if we've covered. So uh, yeah, I, I say we dive in. I think <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is the lofty and lowly and everything in the middle predicate. The predicate function. So the predicate function is a function that returns a truth value. So you give it all the things it needs to, to divine truth and tell you, you know, true or false, right? Or, or <laughs> truthy or false. Falsy, right? Right. <laughs> it, it, can be, it can be a little fungible, predicates. <laughs> Doesn't have to be Boolean. <laughs> this is not a strongly typed language, uh, a stackly typed language. It is strongly typed. Yeah. So predicates. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Pre- predicates. Like I-, I feel like we 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 just like create predicates. You know, all over the place. Um, and 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 a lot of the predicates that we create are are like you know maybe one or two lines. And so a lot of times I find that you you could you could do the same the same uh, uh, task by just having like an inline function like when you're doing a map or doing a filter sorry we need a filter or a, or a you know a keep or, or a, um, remove function where you're trying to like selectively figure out which which of this collection you want to keep and you want to do that on a predicate you can just put an inline function but but making it its own function like elevating it to the to be a real function you know like a real boy um, it, right. it, 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 it means you can give it a name. And that name means things um, like we we, I've, we talked about it before that that naming bits of computation really helps you um, understand the abstraction and not have to dip into it. Um, right. So it, you can have this uh, long expression that's pulling out five different fields and doing the right ands and ors and equal to, or or you can make a little tiny function that has that same expression in it. And it's named will explode soon, question mark, right? <laughs> and, and that gives it a whole new meaning, right? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Oh, and, and my you're reading thing. the code and you're like, so if uh, will explode soon, <laughs> then diffuse, right? It's like, oh, oh, that's why it wants to diffuse. <laughs> okay. It, it will explode soon. <laughs> right, right. It's, it, so, uh, yeah, and one of the conventions, of course, for predicate functions is to have a question mark at the end. Um, so that you can know, it's almost like you're asking a question, and the question will give you uh, one of two answers, you know, true or false. Of course. Now, I am imagining a convention for predicate functions where they all go to the convention together, and they all look like question marks, and they have <laughs> um, conference talks. <laughs> 
So right. that's the image that came to mind. But only, but, <laughs> but but only two tracks, right? You know, the true but track and the false tracks. track. <laughs> yes. So putting that question mark, it, it helps show that the intention of it is a a truth value. And so, yeah, predicates. So the the the, the other function you just mentioned, uh, you know, diffuse. Um, I feel like the end of that the end of that function should be an exclamation point, which I think oh. introduces our next category of functions, uh, or the next yes. one I want to talk about, uh, which is uh, functions that that have side effects. Uh, that's the, such a nice, clean way of of saying it. <laughs> I I want to say, you know, things that do the dirty work. You know, they they dip into yeah. the trash can. They 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 do the dishes. They uh, I like to call them like mutative functions or functions that like mutate the world, right? They're they're they're, they're like the the worker functions, the command functions. They they go and they alter the state of reality around them. They they have the messy <laughs> side effects that are needed to get things done, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. They write to the file, they write to the database, they diffuse the thing that's going to explode. We're not sure what it is, but it's going to explode soon. <laughs> and they diffuse it and, and, I, and alter it in a mutative way. Right. And and I think it's really important to 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 like the way we, we approach those kind of functions is we want them to have um, one fun one one function, <laughs> one purpose. They only gonna do one thing. Like it's not like you know, do stuff with an exclamation point. It does, you know, it writes the database and then it prints <laughs> it out and then it sends it over to the API. You know, we break it into, into like it's just because all of those things are side effects doesn't mean there should be one function. You still want to have, right. like, you know, you still want to break things down um, so that each one is just doing one thing because oftentimes you want to sequence them differently and the sequencing or the, the arguments you give them, you want to keep that stuff pure. Um, yeah. And so then you 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 gotta you gotta you gotta keep it minimal as minimal as possible. So you don't want the function to be called write or fetch or sleep or return. <laughs> Bang. Oh right, yes. <laughs> I mean, correct. <laughs> yeah, and so for these uh, these effectors, <laughs> I'm gonna call them the effectors because they have side effects and they change the world. These effectors, yeah, the the most narrow effect possible you know just writing um into this buffer or writing into this file or or whatever because then you can see you can write a sequencer function that takes a a bunch of those little mini effectors and then sequences it for like a, a larger total effect you know you 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 want to take more than one step so now you can read this like sequencing function that is also a an, an effector in in a sense but it's now sequencing uh, a bunch of uh, side effects in a row, right? And and one of the reasons why I like keeping it so that there's one, like a, a, a an, an effecti effector. You say they're called effectors. Um, I'm uh, just saying I'm going to call them an effector. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, to me it has like this connotation of like you know with a cape and a big E on their chest, you know. Um, yes, and yes, uh, like an effector, like it, like it, it affects with an A, right? Effector. <laughs> Sorry. Or effector <laughs> with an E would be side <laughs> effects. I don't know. Right. Choose your spelling. <laughs> but but the reason why I like I like to keep the amount of stuff you do inside of a function as just one purpose is because lots of times um, 
like you don't for for one thing it's really hard to test these kind of functions because you can't actually cuz it, it touches something that's outside of your 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 control so to speak i mean that's the whole point um and so if you put two or three or four side effects in there like it's really easy to be like like go oh well i want to do this one first and then maybe i like i'll do it throw a conditional around this one like you start putting logic in there and the logic is what you want to test right. and so you want to get that out of there you want to get that into somewhere that's pure so you can test it and then each then it sequences individual side effects. Yeah, and so that's something we were talking about before when we were going through sort of this whole TikTok notion or, you know, logic IO, logic IO, um, you know, work react, Dis- work react, whatever decider, that pattern. Right. Decider, worker, yeah. yeah. And 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 so the idea is the the side effector, the effector function. You should parameterize it with marching orders. It should do like zero logic. It shouldn't think. It it should be the grunt. Yeah, I think like, you said that, right? Like, like it like should. It's really even... good at taking those marching orders and doing exactly what was specified, and not really thinking any more about it. Right. Like it shouldn't. It shouldn't assemble the web request and then do the web request. It should get a fully formed web request and then just execute it. Like it should be. Right. There should be no other logic. I mean, like a lot of the R one line, these functions are like one line, uh, and I mean sometimes it wraps because you know you got to pass a bunch of args. But like it's the really small functions because you want you want to be right. aggressively minimal. Right, and so then you can have a guard. Oh wait, is that another function? A guard function, <laughs> which is really kind of a special case of a pred- a predicate. Right, it's a it's a um, predicate with a fancy name. Yes. Yeah, so rather than having a function that like guards against invalid data and then assembles a web request and then makes a web request, and I, I'm pretty sure I wrote one of those functions a few weeks ago and then realized like, oh, I should refactor this. <laughs> <laughs> so rather than doing that, um, you should have a predicate, which is a guard that, that can take a look at the data and decide whether or not to do it. And then you should have a function that can take the data and transform it into the web request. And then you should have a function that can make a web request, and then you can compose those together. And then the two pure ones, the guard, and then the, oh, I guess we haven't talked about that category, but, you know, the transformation function, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, those are pure. And so you can unit test the heck out of them to make sure that you're guarding correctly, you're transforming it correctly. And it's, it's hard to get the web request wrong because there really isn't much to do other than just take a few parameters and pass them into some library at that point in time, right? Right. It's kind of one of those things you, you test it once by actually running it and making sure that it works. And then you're done because you don't need to ever test it again because if you test that function more and more, you're just testing the web request library, the, the remote API, the remote, like you're, you're testing all these things that you didn't write. So you should stop testing them. Yeah, yeah. No, no need to test the library <laughs> thoroughly. I mean, I, I suppose there's a different activity for that. <laughs> right. But at some point in time, you just have to believe. <laughs> Calling the library the right arguments <laughs> will do the right thing. You must believe. <laughs> believe must. in all those library promises. Yeah. And so, well, so let's talk about transform functions, right? So I would say that in general, a transform function takes data in and produces data out, right? The intention of that is you're, you're, you're transforming this for a variety of different reasons. So 
I know, Nate, you and I like to think about what we call input transforms, where you get raw data from the outside world, a web request, like a request coming in or data out of a file, and then you transform that into a data structure that is internal to the logic of your application so you can go get work done, or output transforms, which you're taking it from data structures that are useful in your application from which you just got work done, and you need to turn <laughs> it into the form that the rest of the world uh, cares about or could use or that that remote API needs, right? You need to uh, encode it the right way. Um, you need to pig Latini pig Latinize all the strings or, well, and, or whatever bizarre and, right. and arcane rules that have been foisted on you by that other unenlightened development party. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we really like the idea of of taking like um, we call them ingredients. You know, especially when we're talking about that output transform, we take a you know a bunch of ingredients and we pass it to the, a function that will actually take all those ingredients and bake us a pie, and that pie is what we send out. Um, uh, but 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 the but the, the 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 again the key characteristic of these things is that they're pure, that they don't do any side effects. They take they take all their inputs and they all like it's they're, they're deterministic. They're uh, referentially transparent. Um, you know, we can add more buzzwords if we want. <laughs> um, Value oriented. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it these kind of functions are are often really complex, or they can get really complex. But the cool thing is that because they're pure, the the they're really easy to or rapid to iterate on because you're not dealing with any outside source, and then also they're really easy to write unit tests for. Yeah, and so and they're just ripe for composition. So if you if let's say you have a, a web route handler and it's gonna receive a request from the outside world, like your goal is to take that request and immediately hand it off to a transform function that can take that pure data, because of course we're all using rings, so we have these beautiful pure data web requests that get <laughs> handed to us. So you can take that pure data and you can transform it into whatever the instruction is that you want to work on. And then the great thing is that function, that pure function in your unit test, you can mock up all kinds of different variations. You could have a whole bunch of requests maybe that you're written out to a, you know, a file you read through like 4,000 different kinds of scenarios and run them through your transform. I know, I know we've done that actually where we have very data-heavy things. We have a lot of variations of what we can read. And so, so we, we have all this data we've recorded from real world interactions that we run through transform functions to make sure it's handling all sorts of scenarios, right? So yeah, you can really, you can really test the heck out of that because it's pure. So you, you want to get it from the impure source and, and, and get that raw data, the pure data to that transform as fast as possible with the least number of steps. And likewise, right. on the other way, you want to take your internal data and hand it to the transform, all those ingredients, make your transform take, you know, the five different data model ingredients it needs, and then it, it turns it into the big, unified, beautiful, fully enriched, fully qualified, whatever output. Right. And it's, it's, it's one of the places that, so to speak, your business logic, it's, it's, it's a part of the business logic that your your application is doing is is how it takes its internal data, how how, how it gets external data and makes it internal and how it takes internal data and makes it external again. Um, those are, they're, they're important parts of your business logic. Um, 
but <clears throat> but often they are just like like their their views. Like we t- we've been talking about calling them the transforms, but they're, they're they're like a they're like a materialized view right. on on some some bits of data that you have on behind the scenes. Um, Especially the output the output transforms like those really do feel a lot like views. You're you're taking your internal data models mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're mixing them together. Like I like how you put it. You know, you're you're baking the cake. You're baking the pie. And you're mixing them together. And and then you're going to be handing them to something that's going to write it to a file or put it on a socket or a web socket or respond to the ring request, right? And so this is where you get that whole I.O. on the edges, right? There was I.O., the magical I.O. portal that that (laughs) buried the data into your beautiful, pure, functional world. And poof! You know the fairy pixie has has shot data into your pure function, and now you work, 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 and then you get it all transformed, and then you make this magic cupcake that you hand back to the I/O fairy uh, on the other edge to ferret back to the user uh, for their benefit, right? <laughs> yes, and then all you got to do is handle the exceptions. Yes, yes. So wait, what? Salt instead of sugar. <laughs> this will never work. <laughs> so I, I, so I think that covers nicely how you how how like the 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 transform and view on the like that are the, they're near the edges. But I think that the 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 next category I want to talk about is what we what we like to call state management functions. And, oh yes, um, we really got into it a lot in the um, the the TikTok. Uh, um, decider worker where we were we were, we were we are the series where we, we talked about posting to twitter where we had you know right basically half the application was or half of the module whatever it was 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 all about the side effect functions which were very small um, but then the other half the you know the pure half was basically a state it was a it was a, a bag of data and and every time there was a result you know the, we would call a function on that bag of data and we'd get a new command and then we just ferry that command over to the command side so as we went back and forth uh, on on the on the state side there was this there was a there was a state you know a single state um map i guess map was usually what we use um but but every time we wanted to change that state we would call what we call state management functions and 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 they they all have like a, a common a common pattern you know um yes yeah, I would. I, I would. That when you started talking about that, the example that popped into my mind is if we go back to the beginning of a podcast. If you know the year a year <laughs> ago, we had the series on tic tac toe that yeah. really heavily focuses on state management too, right? And that common pattern is you have a function that takes the current state of your data model, right? Your entity or whatever, right. and then it takes some amount of arguments depending on what you want to do. And then it returns a new state. And so in the tic-tac-toe case, maybe I'll just pick on that one because it's super simple. You know, you have a function like play, right? And and then it takes the state of the game. And then you, you would pass it like which player wants to play. And then the XY coordinate on the board the, or row or column, however you want to think of it, that they want to make that move, you know? And so yeah. that is a state. That is a state management function. It's advancing the state of the board from its current state to its next state based on those instructions. Yeah, and we'll often we'll, in, a, in a lot of our components we'll have we'll have like the 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 the, the mechanism for you know doing the I/O is in one section of the file, 
And then all of the state management functions are in another area of the file. So you can just look at all right. of the state management function. You can see what are the ways that the state can move forward. You know, you can say, oh, there's a there's a move and there's a, you know, um, I guess there aren't very many more for tic-tac-toe. Um, but we, we've had state, <laughs> we've had times where there's like, you know, a couple dozen different state management functions that we, we know we can call. And then, but then when we're in our, in the code that stitches those together with the side effects, uh, we have a real uh, clear, concise verb, you know, high level ver- word that we can use to know what that state transition is. Instead of, you know, right. go muck with these four fields, it's like, oh, it's, you know, next move. And it's like, ah, I know what that means. And so I don't have to, I, you know, I, I can trust that that function is implemented correctly. And so I could just, yeah, you know, absolutely. move on. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is where this is where the predicates and then the state management functions and then the your sequencing or your side effect functions like all come together, right? Your your effectors because um you're when you're writing those those sequences, those sequence of side effects. Uh like the tic-tac-toe game doesn't really have so many side effects, but it was just great for illustrating state. But the Twitter, the Twitter case that you're talking about, that has a lot more side effect. Mm-hmm. Right? We had to go out and fetch data and do lookups in the database and all this. And so when you're writing a function that needs to fetch something from the database and then take a look at it and 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 go, oh, does this match what I saw before? Right. So you so you have some function to determine what did I, what did we last post? You know, are these equal? And and so your your predicates help you determine which can which branch in your sequencing functions, like which branch of functionality it's going to go down, right? And then your um, your view functions, right? Or they help you pull data out of your data model to to feed your predicate functions or to get the right bits out of it. And then, um, then your uh, side effectors, you know, those are the things that you're writing, right? And so... And and then once you're all done with that, you want to record the outcome. So then you have your state management function to update your data model with what the outcome was, right? So so you have these each of these functions, um, and your predicates, and then your your view extraction functions, and then your um, state management functions. You can test, boy, you can test those with unit tests, which is amazing. And so so really, it's just your imperative sequencing functions. That's that's where you have to do more of the manually testing, right. right? Yeah, I think that's the important thing to 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 just come back and put a hard cap on is all of the categories we've talked about so far. The only one that actually is hard to test is the one that is usually one lines one liners. Like it's one of the just the just the effectors. All the other ones are pure, and and so then therefore most of your application isn't being this pure code that you can that you can test and 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 really trust. Right, um, and, and, and it's not just testing; it's composing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can start well, composing them together. Well, I was yeah. so pure means composing without side effects, right? So you you don't get all these nasty interactions <laughs> when you compose pure functions together, like you do with functions that have side effects. So yeah, composition think, is better. I think that's yeah. Talking to your composition point, I think it's really something that we do um, when we because lots there there are times where we have a state. That actually inside of it are like we call them substates or you know mini states, and right. and they actually have their own set of functions. And so sometimes your your state management functions actually just 
just delegate to other state management functions that are about the the substates, and and then so when you want to add a piece of functionality, you know you you, you can you can actually work from the smaller state to the bigger state, and you can kind of kind of solidify the 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 the, the small parts first before you have to have to then engage with the entire state. And what the ramifications of that data change are for the right. entire state. You can build up this whole state tree. Right, yeah. and mm-hmm. then you then you have a set of state management functions for each level of that tree, and so so you might have some functions that help organize your entire state tree at the top, but then the, each branch of the tree is going to have a, a set of functions for managing that branch, and then they may have sets of functions for managing the branch underneath it, right? And so, like the thing that comes to mind is is you, for example, the idiom of using a single atom for application state in in like a web a web app mm-hmm. you know you have this big state tree for your whole application and i know like ohm for example takes that approach like ohm next um and and so it's because you can delegate state management in in subsections that you can do that you know yeah absolutely um and i think you know it brings to mind the you know turtles all the way down you know Right. The, the, the lower levels of turtles are much easier to understand and you can build upon them without right. having to exhaust your mind. <laughs> yeah. And so a variation of a state management function is really, I would call it a reducing function. That's like a special case. So uh, re- reduce has a state. It has a working state as it is marching through each element in the list. And so a reducing function is a function that takes two arguments. It takes your current state and then it takes the thing, the next thing from the list and, and then unwraps it and does whatever it needs to do. And then it returns the new state, right? So reducing function is like a special case. And basically anything that takes any number of arguments, any state management function that takes any number of arguments could be turned into a reducing function pretty easily by taking all those arguments and bundling them, them up into something like a map where each argument is a field. You know, and so you you could have a whole list of of commands or or state alteration statements, <laughs> and then you use a reducing function to just zoom through that list, and then you'll see every state, every subsequent state that 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 app or whatever went through. That's what we did in Tic Tac Toe. If you go back to the first episode, yeah, it kind of nice. It, it's like a like sending something to the tailor with all the instructions. You know, they're gonna you you don't you can see all the independent all the all the all the the different states, but then you know they're going to be carried out in the right order. The yeah. alterations. Well, what one of my other favorite functions, I will call it a template. <laughs> it's kind of like a view, but it's basically a function that has almost no logic or very little logic. Its goal is to emit a tree of data based on v- various fields, right? And so you'll see this in functions that like emit hiccup if you're writing closure script, right? Uh, or, yeah. or you have to... Or, or it's like a very, very simple function that's going to generate a bunch of data that you're going to feed into unit tests or whatever, right? And you feed it some parameters. And it's funny to think of that as a function, but it, it is. It's a template function, right? You, you feed it parameters so that it generates data, structured data that is useful either for UI markup or for feeding a remote system or for formatting output. Yeah, I, 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 the unit test case is a really good one. Like, I'll, I'll use that where I have like, um, you know, give me a, a person entity, and then it's like, oh, give me the person entity with the name overridden by this. Like, as many options as I pass to it, 
uh, it overrides more and more of the template to make it more and more, and more custom. So I can basically add a, really, very quickly generate a bunch of different very similar data structures, uh, which are often very useful in, um, in unit tests. Yeah, and so like view functions um, are kind of like template functions in a way, right? You're feeding it data structures and then it's giving you a view of data. But I tend to think of template functions as having maybe a, a little bit different of a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. um, it, its goal is to f- to feed something else, right? It's often, you know, a human viewer. It's a generator. Or, yeah, generator, you know. And so, but, they, but they're, they're kind of similar. Uh, I think, I mean, this has definitely ended up being one of our longer episodes. So <laughs> I think maybe we will conclude with the, the mother of all functions. Because after Uh-oh. all, this is a this is a functional programming podcast, and so I know there's somebody out there already screaming, screaming at your headphones or radio or whatever it is you're listening to us on car stereo, saying you forgot the most important function in functional programming, and that would be the higher order function, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, the function that takes a function as an argument. And possibly returns a function, right? <laughs> so that would be a higher order function. And and those are nice because we use those since functions are very clearly, I hope at this point in time in the podcast, the building blocks of functional programming. Um, they themselves are data, right? And we can we can combine functions together and make new functions. Um, we can like partial is a great example of that, right? Or um, comp for composing functions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like Juxt. I mean, there's actually Juxt. a blog out there where it's called Just Juxt, and it's a bunch of things that a bunch of problems that are solved using just the Juxt function. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, the that that special extra power of being able to pass a function in. Um, right. Sometimes it's like, and then- yeah, I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of this view function. And I wanted to, oh, how about if I just pass in a function to do this one little tweak, you know, and, and, and make it, and then it, suddenly it can do a whole bunch of different transforms that it couldn't do before. Right. And so a bunch of closure core is higher order. I mean, reduce and map and filter, those are all higher order in the sense that they accept a function, right, as arguments. But right. then there's things like juxt and um, partial and comp that emit functions, right? So those are sort of your what you traditionally think of as higher order um, instead of just first class functions, right? First class functions <laughs> is you can take them as an argument. Higher order is you're, you're constructing new functions and returning um, them. using right. functions. Um, so, like, like Voltron, right? Yes, like Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> Better we need together. to make a library called Voltron uh, Well, and not get sued. <laughs> I don't know what it would do, but it would definitely... It would definitely make functions out of functions. <laughs> Higher order TV, yes. Functron. <laughs> oh. It's got a groove, man. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, I, well, I think yes. We we we're, we're kind of we're kind of running long. We're having we're having a lot of fun with functions uh, today. Yes. Um, we're celebrating our one year of uh, the functional programming and and everything that comes with it. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Well, hey, out there, if you're, um, you have any questions for us, or if you have any uh, categories of functions that you that we missed that we were were blind and just could not come up with for this um, now coming on <laughs> thirty five minute episode, uh, please let us know. Um, hop into our 
um, Closure Design podcast channel, uh, or you can send us a tweet at Closure Design uh, or an email uh, to feedback at closuredesign.club. Yes. And uh, of course, when you said categories of functions, that makes me think <laughs> of category theory, <laughs> which we did not talk about. But that would be very higher order, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> functors oh, and monads and we, we 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 have to put those words in at least this episode right <laughs> yeah to fulfill our, our our functional podcast contract with the uh the functional uh, organizing body yes yes which we're not actually supposed to talk about on air oops <laughs> uh yeah so we'd love to hear from you um and it, go check out our notes if you have not already at closuredesign.club on the web uh, this episode and every episode for the last year. You can find it there too. Cool. We'll be back next week. Um, but before that, I wanted to send out a, a very special thank you to everyone who has listened to our show over the last year. Um, a, a heartfelt thank you to everyone we've met, everyone I've seen at, at any meetup um, we've seen online. We've sent us an email. Um, we, we do this for you. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate all all the feedbacks and conversations and emails and tweets and Slack messages and face-to-face conversations. It, it has meant a lot to us. It has been a blast for this last year, and we look forward to uh, another exciting year ahead of us. Yeah, please join us. Great. Well, again, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>